Well, today, this morning, it's a great privilege and an honor to be sharing the word of the Lord with you this morning. For those that don't know, uh, Pastor Kurt and Kathy and actually the rest of their family, uh, they are up in Maine. Uh, Pastor went to surprise his father um, last week. Well, surprise his parents, but surprise his father for Father's Day. And so he was able to do that. And so they will be traveling back, I believe, tomorrow. So please keep them in your prayers for traveling mercies as they come back. And also keep Pastor Joe in your prayer. Many of you know that he, uh, has, he suffers from gout, and uh, he has, he's been battling that for a good season. And he had another flare-up the other night, and so he's just been dealing with that. So keep him in your prayers as well. Um, This morning, though, we're going to be looking in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54, Isaiah chapter 54, and starting in verse number two. Isaiah 54, starting in verse number two, I believe it's on the screen for you this morning. It It says this, this is Isaiah, right? It says, enlarge the place of your tent, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords And strengthen your stakes. I want to read that one more time. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the habitations and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather here today in your presence. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us, that we would have open hearts, open ears, and an open mind to receive your word this morning. God, I ask that, Lord, you would use me. For, Lord, without you, I am truly nothing. And we are sure to do this for your glory and honor alone, for you alone are worthy, in Jesus' matchless name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I remember as a child... Uh, like most children here, and, and, and if you're a parent here, I'm sure you can relate, and if you were a child at some point, which I believe every single person in this room is a child, has been a child, or will be a child um, if you're a baby in here, um, then you know the experience of either telling a child or being a child and having to clean your room. You understand that and, and I, I remember for me as a child, I, again, this, I had toys everywhere in my room. It would be, I have, you know, five seconds with this toy, and then, you know, all of a sudden something would draw my attention. I have to go play with this toy. But it wasn't like you had to just play with it. You had to, like, make a mess of it before you could actually play with it. And then another 30 seconds would go by, and you would just hop around, and you would have a clean room. It would be like a clean stage right here. And, like, five minutes later, it was just a wreck. And then inevitably... Whoever was at home, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, or whoever, would say, it's time to clean your room. And I remember for me, whenever I had to clean my room, it was always a process. It never just happened. I, I, I wish I could say that I was really diligent at making, like, oh, yes, absolutely right away, and I would go clean my room. That just wasn't the case, and I'm sure some of you here can relate in fact, some of you here, even today, maybe it's spring cleaning time and, and you, you have those closets and those shelves and that cabinet that just has all the junk in it and you got to clean it out. But how many of you know that when it comes to cleaning a room or cleaning an area, that before it gets cleaned, it gets even messier? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you have a mess and it's a dirty room and it's all, and stuff is everywhere. And for whatever reason, when you're in the cleaning process, somehow it doesn't get cleaner at first, it gets messier. 
You have that closet that you want to reorganize, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm reorganizing it. And then you pull everything out, and it's just stuff everywhere. There's no sort of rhyme or reason to everything. And then someone walks in, and they're like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm cleaning. They're like, yeah, right. You're not cleaning. And I would have that as a child. I'd be like, I'm cleaning, Dad. And my dad would be like, yeah, you're not clean. And, and to be fair to him, there's probably some truth in that. My cleaning was actually me playing. And I just, like, I would play with my Legos and my guys. And, and I'd say, oh, but my Lego guys are cleaning. And my dad would be like, yeah, well, your Lego guys need to clean a little faster. They're going to end up in the trash can. So you better believe they did get cleaned up pretty quickly. But for whatever reason, when it comes to cleaning, it's a lot messier before it actually takes place. And today I want to talk to you just for a few moments and and as we just read from the text about creating space and how sometimes when we create space in our lives and we create space here as a church and not just a church as a building, um, and I can attest to how, how dirty this church can get as a building, but more importantly though, creating space as a body of believers that sometimes, and not just sometimes, but most times, and maybe not just most times, but all times, there is a process to progress. And that sometimes it doesn't look like creating space is happening until you get beyond the moment. And so I want to talk to you for just a moment here about creating space. And so if we look back at the text here, we just read a moment ago, Isaiah 54. This is a really nice passage of scripture. It's a, it's, it's a promise from God. He's saying, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. He's telling them, he's saying, listen, prepare for growth. Prepare for me to do something great. I'm going to do something great. So you got to get ready for it. You got to prepare. You got to enlarge. You got to strengthen. You got to not hold back. You got to lengthen your cords. You got to stretch out. That's great. But if we look at the text, what is actually going on when when we find this being written here? This isn't a a really awesome, cheery time in the history of Israel. In, in fact, it was actually probably, probably some of the darkest times in their history. See, when, when they receive this promise from the Lord, they're actually in captivity. They, we, we know that from, the, from, um, from Scripture and history that the nation of Israel, they had this really ongoing cycle of disobeying and ignoring God's repeated uh, words and, and, and constantly just disobeying him and kind of shrugging him off. And so God brought the impending judgment that he kept telling them that was coming if they didn't change their ways. And so now they are in the midst of this. They have been held captive. They've been exiled. They have been persecuted. They have been spread apart. It is anything but sunshine and rainbows when they receive this promise. And in the midst of all this darkness and gloom and sorrow and sadness, and as they are exiled and spread apart, cast aside, being persecuted away from their home, God is telling them this. He says, get ready. I want my people to get up. I want my people to stand up. I want my people to sing and declare the goodness and the greatness of their God. I want my people to get ready because I am going to do something in and through and around them. And it might seem dark. It might seem dreary. But just you get ready because I am going to do something that only I can do. 
I believe God is saying that right now. And maybe you're like, well, it's dark out. It doesn't look, it's not looking so great. Have you seen the news? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Do you hear what they're saying there? Do you hear what they're saying there? Pastor, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're watching the same TV, if you know what's going on, I know what's going on. And I can tell you, I know what's going on and I know what the word of the Lord says. And God is saying, I want my people to stand up. I want my people to sing and declare the goodness and the greatness of their God because I'm about to do something in and through and around them and they need to get ready. Church, we need to get ready. Church, we need to stand up. Church, we need to rise up. Church, we need to get ready to be used by God. Church, we need to be the church that God has called us to be. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Church, I can tell you today that Jesus is still building his church today. What he said he is building, he is building and nothing will stand against it. No person, no law, no thing, nothing will stand against what he is building. We need to get ready. We need to get ready. This is the time for the church to be the church. So I love what the prophet writes here in Isaiah 54. And he starts off by saying, enlarge the place of your tent. It says enlarge. Now that word enlarge, it means to make room. It means to make bigger. It means to make and create space. In biblical times, when a a family was going to be expecting another member of the family, the women would take the tent and it would be some sort of animal skin and they would actually take more animal skin and they would sew additional animal skin to make more room. Church, we need to enlarge in our lives. I don't know about you, but I can remember when I was a child and having to go on road trips to various places. And I am not so young that that I can appreciate the, the amazingness of TVs and DVDs in the car during car trips, okay? If you are a student, a child, a, a, you know, a teenager, um, and you have that you know, I just know that I'm incredibly envious and, and that they're like, when I'm on the road, I don't know about you, but if I see a van and I see a TV in there, I try to kind of see what they're watching. And I kind of just think back, like, I want that in my childhood. Okay. We didn't have that. Right. When it was dark at night, like you either had to have a flashlight or something because you couldn't see, you couldn't read. Right. And you couldn't turn the lights on. Right. We didn't have any of these TVs and DVDs in the TV. We couldn't watch movies. We didn't have laptops or cell phones. Okay. And so we would just sit there and, uh, you know, it was fine when we were younger and, and I have a sister and, uh, we would, we would sit in the back seat and, and she's older than me. And so she had established when we were young that I had, I would always sit behind the, the driver's side. My sister would sit behind the passenger side, but because she was the older sister, she needed more room. So she would have that very, very coveted middle area of the back seat. Now, again, there's just two of us. So if you have a larger family, I'm sure you can relate even more to the uh, tension that is fighting for all the seat space that's available to you. But as we got older, 
I got bigger. And, and in fact, I'm now, I'm, I'm bigger than my sister, so uh, I'm the bigger, younger brother to my sister. And, and so there became more tension for that very coveted, precious middle ground. And so as we got older, and we, again, we didn't have a minivan, we just had a car. Um, it was just the four of us, so we didn't need anything bigger than that. At least my parents didn't think so. I felt like we did because we were constantly fighting for that middle ground. And she would say, I'm the older sister. And I'm saying, I'm the bigger person. And she'd say, well, I'm more mature than you. And I'd say, you're fighting with someone four years younger than you. And so I didn't say that, but that's what I would say now. And so we would, we would kick each other and we would elbow each other. And then, of course, the parents would turn around and be like, you need to be quiet. You know, we're going to play the quiet game and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we would, you know, we, we, we had outgrown the space. Church, can I tell you that, that maybe, just maybe, you and I, we've outgrown the space that we've been living in. We've outgrown the space that we are at. And we need to create more space for God to move in and through and around us. We need to create space in our lives. Can't tell you how many times I hear people say, I just, I want more of God in my life. I just need more of God. That's, that's a great prayer. That's a great heart. But the question I have to ask you is, are you creating space for God to move in your life? God is as big as he will ever be. He will never be bigger, but he will never be smaller. God is perfect in all of his ways. That God is as big as he will ever be. He's unchangeable. The question isn't, will God be bigger? The question is, are you making space in your life for God to be bigger in your life? Far too many of us say, I want more of God, but we're not willing to create space in our lives for him. We got to create space in our lives for God to move in our lives. Too many of us are allowing other things to be bigger in your life. What is so big in your life that's keeping God from having space in your life? What is it that you're allowing to speak into your life that's taking the place of God in your life? Church, if we want God to move in our lives, we have to create space for God in our lives. When it comes to creating space, Sometimes we need some cleaning out. Can I tell you, church, just maybe you and I, we need to do some cleaning in our lives. We need to do some evaluation. We need to do some searching about what is going on inside of us. We need to be examining ourselves daily, not just once a week, not once a month. I think far too often we're so, we're so okay with taking a quick look at ourselves before we walk in here Sunday morning and say, okay, I'm good. But we're called not to search out weekly. We're not called to search out our hearts monthly. We're called to die to self daily. We need to daily search our lives. We need to daily clean our lives. We need to daily come to the Lord and say, Lord, what is here that is not of you? Would you remove it from me? As John said, we need to have him. He needs to be greater in our lives, and we need to be less. We need, he needs to become greater, and I need to become less. See, as long as you're allowing other things in your life, there's no room for him. He's not going to force his way into your life. But if you would say, God, I make myself available in that moment, he will come into your life. But so long as you are allowing other stuff to take up that space, so long as you're holding on to things in your life, he can't come into your life. 
And so when we say we want more of God, then I would ask, what are we doing to create space in our lives for him? We need to create space in our church. We need to create space here. And I don't just mean as a, as a church here, as a building, but I mean as the body of Christ. We need to create space And I think one of the most important things that we can do when it comes to creating space is, first of all, we all need to be on the same page. We all need to be on the same page. I love the song we just sang a moment ago. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Not a pastor, not a worship leader, not a congregation member, not the person who ties the most money, not the person with the most position or the most power, but Jesus at the center of it all. And above, and that's it. It's all about him. It's not about you. It's not about me, but it's all about him. I think far too often we find discord within ourselves. We find disagreements and we allow these petty things to drive wedges between you and I. And church, can I tell you, we can't afford to have discord amongst the body of Christ. We can't afford to not have it together here because if we don't have it together here, how can we expect the world to come into this place and find him? Because instead of finding him, they'll find all of our junk, all of our garbage, and they won't want any of that because who would? Paul writes about unity all throughout the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four, he says, walk in a matter worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. In verse 15, he continues, he said, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. We need to be on the same page. We need to get it together. We need to all be working together, not against each other. Have you ever done a group project at any point at work, at school, in class, in any setting? I was in, uh, I I believe it was my sophomore year in college, and and I had to do a group project, um, and I had four other people, or three other people, there were four of us, that we had to do a, a group presentation. And I didn't know any of the people in my class. In fact, I, um, I, 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 it was one of those classes where you're kind of like, ah, I don't really, you know, is this really class? You know, I'll be honest, I'll confess that it wasn't the most interesting of classes, and my attendance might have been a little subpar of perfect. And um, we, but we were assigned a project, and so all four of us, all four of us were guilty of this. We didn't really talk to each other. Um, we didn't talk to each other. We knew the subject. We knew that we, when it was due. And we kind of just went from there and said, okay, yeah, we'll be good. This is easy. This is cake. And so the day came in when we were to turn in our project. And can I tell you that we didn't have one really awesome project to turn in that day. We had four subpar, completely different focused projects that were submitted and they, nothing like it, it was like we kind of put it together, copy and paste it, put it in a, in a document or anything. But it was four different projects. Because we weren't talking. There was no unity amongst us. There was just discord. There was no communication. There was no coming together under a single cause. And church, can I tell you, that's far too often happening here at the church. We make certain things bigger priorities than what they should be. 
We focus in on such minor details and we just emphasize that and this needs to happen or that needs to happen and this person did that and this person said this and we forget who's at the center of it all. Jesus is at the center of it all. What's what brings us together is Jesus that brings us together. And Jesus is perfect in all of his ways. And Jesus is the one who unites us. Jesus is the one who sets us free. Jesus is the one who has restored us. And we need to gather under his name, under his leadership, under his authority. Listen, we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have difference of opinions. We're going to have different styles. We're going to have differences here and there. But none of those things are greater than him. But rather, he is greater, for he has overcome all things. Church, We need to have unity. We need to get it all together here. I love what John says in John chapter 13, or or Jesus says, and John writes, I apologize. He says, a new commandment I give you, this is Jesus uh, speaking here, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can I tell you, church, the world is watching us. The world is looking how we act. They're looking how we respond. They're looking how we will act in a certain situation when certain things happen. And church, can I tell you that we are known by the way that we have love for one another. We are known by the way that you and I have love for one another. And not just a superficial love. Not just a, oh, I love you, okay, good to see you, and and that's it. Not just of a, oh, they're coming here, okay, I guess, uh, love you, okay. We are called to love as Christ loves us. And can I tell you, how did Christ die, how did Christ love us? He died for us. He laid down his life for us. It is a disinterested, benevolent love that Christ has for us. And that is the same love that you and I need to have for one another. It's not easy. It's not easy at times. Why? Because unity has to be worked on. We have to be intentional about it. Can I tell you, church, we need to be intentional about these things. We don't stumble into unity. You're not just going to stand and walk in the church and say, oh, we're all brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord. We're great, good, awesome. It doesn't happen like that. You have to be intentional. You have to work for it. I love what Hebrews says, lest you drift. Keep these things at heart, lest you drift. If we're not being intentional with unity, then we're going to drift away from unity. If we're not being intentional about loving one another, then we're going to walk away from one another. We need to be intentional about loving and having unity and putting Christ at the center of it all. We need to create space for others to join us. That's a tough one. See, we're not creating space so we can lounge around. I know it's summer and there's nothing more than, than I would love to get a hammock and just kind of lounge out. We're not talking about creating space for more room for me. I was just watching a, uh, a video last night, um, and it was about this, this, mo- this um, RV motorhome for a celebrity, and like, it was so fancy that not only did it extend out, but it actually extended up, so it had two floors, right? And, so, and it was just one person, right? So they could have more room. We're not creating space so you and I can have more room for ourselves, but we're creating space so other people can join us. We're creating space so those outside can be a part of what God is doing here. We need to create space for other people and not just a temporary room. 
You know what I'm talking about. Like you have guests and visitors. You're like, oh, it's so good. When are you leaving? Okay, welcome. All right. Oh, yeah, you can, you can come join us. You can have a meal at our table. Just please don't make it long term, right? I only have food for like the week. And then after that, you're going to find, no, this is for the long haul. We got to create space for people to join us. Listen, we're going to be together for eternity. We might as well start working on it right now. Can I get an amen, church? We need to create space so other people can be a part of what God is doing here in this place. Enlarge the place of your tent. And then Isaiah continues. He said, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Ooh, that's a tough one. Stretched out. Stretch is to be made capable of growing without breaking. To be capable of being made larger without breaking. That's what stretches is. Can I tell you, church, you and I, we need to embrace the stretch in our lives. We need to embrace the stretch. Maybe you're here today and saying, I feel like I'm going to break, Pastor. Can I tell you there's more stretch in you? I feel like I'm going to snap. Can I tell you you got to embrace the stretch in your lives if you've ever gone, if you've ever had an injury of any sort that's required physical therapy, I can tell you, and many other people will attest to it, it does not feel good. If you've ever had physical therapy of any kind on a knee, a ligament, a joint, an elbow, neck, back, whatever, shoulder, when you go through physical therapy, you do not like that doctor putting you through physical therapy. And all the while, you're, they're saying, this is good for you. This is good for you. And you're crying like, no, it's not. It's not good. But can I tell you, church, you need to embrace the stretch. When it comes to physical therapy, if you don't go through that stretching and that painful process, you'll never fully recover the mobility and the strength of that joint or that muscle. Yeah, you can avoid the stretch, you can avoid the pain, but you will never be fully what you should be. And church, you and I, we can avoid the stretch, we can avoid the pain, but if we do so, we will never fully enter in what God has called us to be. We will never fully embrace what God has for us. The degree to which you and I embrace the pain is the degree to which God will make himself known and use us for his glory. You and I, we need to embrace the stretch. Maybe you're in a season where you're feeling it, but you're not seeing it. And can I tell you, maybe you're here saying, oh, I'm feeling stretched, Pastor, but I'm not seeing anything. Then can I tell you that just maybe growth is taking place in your life. If you can feel the stretch, but you can't see the, if you can't see the change, then just maybe growth is happening. When we were children, we would go through these growing pains. And, and I don't know about you, but I, it, there were times where as I was getting older, the growing pains, I couldn't sleep at night. And I would cry and I'd grab my parents. I'd say, my, my knees hurt. There's so much pain. And they say, you're growing. They said, you're growing. I'm like, I don't feel the growth happening. I had a dream to be an NBA player. And I'm like, if I want to be an NBA player, I need to shoot up. I need to grow quicker. And they said, well, well, the pain is signs that you're growing and that you're, and they never told me I was going to be six foot four, but you know, maybe I would just, maybe I could be a good basketball player. I can't, I can't shoot or dribble or anything. Um, but you can feel the pain, but you're not seeing it. And 
Can I tell you, church, that even though you don't see it, growth is taking place. Just as those growing pains that you experienced as a child, even though you didn't see the results, growth was taking place. We just have to embrace the stretch. I think one way that we can embrace the stretch is stepping beyond our comfort zone. Can I tell you, you can't have growth and have comfort at the same time. If you're going to settle for comfort, you're not going to see growth take place in your life. Far too many of us say, I want to see growth in my life. Then how are you being made uncomfortable in your life? Far too many of us are just fine with sitting back, relounging back, and having the comfort ride of our lives. But can I tell you, church, so long as we remain comfortable in our lives, we will not see growth in our lives. God is calling us to step beyond our comfort zone. We can't allow our comfortability to keep us from obedience. How many times do we allow our comfortability, our feelings, what, we, what we're used to, what we're accustomed to, the way things have always been to keep us from obeying what God is calling us to do. We can't stay in our comfortability and expect growth in our lives. It doesn't work like that. See, we want the quick fix it. We want the quick change growth. We want the miracle grow in our lives, right? We want to see it all happen overnight. We want to see it like HGTV where you put it on and within an hour you know they're going to go through three houses. They're going to find three places that are just a mess and then they're going to choose one and then they're going to have a couple commercials. They're going to have a couple issues, but it all works out in the end and by 58 minutes they are pulling back the old picture of the house and you have a brand spanking new house and it all happens in an hour with three commercial breaks. That's what we want, but it doesn't work like that. We want the quick fix, but can I tell you that if you want to see those things take place, you got to go beyond your comfortability. You got to step out from your comfort zone. You got to be willing to step in, get your hands dirty, and get involved with what God is doing. Can I tell you, it's going to get messy. It's going to be messy, but can I tell you that a messy church is a growing church. A messy church is a growing church. We need to embrace the stretch in our lives. And then he writes, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. All throughout Isaiah 54, God is telling, he's telling his people, I'm preparing something for you. Make bigger. Prepare to enlarge. Stretch out. Lengthen. And he's saying, don't hold back. But far too often what happens is you and I, we get scared. And when we get scared, what is our natural instinct to do? To step out in faith? No. It's to get reclusive. It's to shrink back. It's to withdraw. But God is saying, don't hold back. Don't stay back. Don't hold back. Don't withhold. Step forward. But you can't step forward into what God has for you until you let go what's behind you. Can I tell you that the nation of Israel, they could have received that word and if they were saying, well, God, you don't, you, I don't, God, you're probably, your glasses are, need a little fine tuning. Maybe you need to go to the eye doctor and work on the one, two. Is it better now? Better one, better two, you know, work on that. And, um, you know, but I don't know if you see what's going on here. You know, we're, 
We're not at home, God. We're, we're, we're in captivity, God. We're being persecuted. It's dark. And can I tell you that if the nation of Israel, if they held on to that fear and they withdrew, they would never step forward into what God has for you. Can I tell you, church, so long as you and I hold on to the past, the things that are gone, the things that have nothing to do with what God has for us ahead of us, we can never step forward into what God has for us. You can't bring what's behind you into what God has ahead of you. We can't try to bring the past with us into the promises that God has for us. And he's saying, don't hold back and do not hold back. You and I, we need to let go. We need to let go of our fear. We need to let go of our failure. Listen, none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. All of us have past. All of us have histories. But if you're holding on to that and allowing that to cripple you from what God has for you, you can never step into it. Don't hold back. Another way that we can not hold back is to serve. Ooh. You and I, we got to serve. I love what Jesus says. He says in Matthew chapter 20, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't know why every single one of you are here. Maybe you're here because you think that you can get a promotion or you can get popularity or you can gain possessions or you can gain status, but it's not what it's about. Even Jesus himself, he, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, even he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to lay down his life for you and I. And so for you and I, as we follow Christ, as we put Jesus at the center of it all, we need to be known as servants to one another. You know, a great place to start serving is our serve week coming up on August 12th. We are so excited as we put God's love in action and we get to go and serve our community from Philadelphia and Camden and the shore and everywhere in between from the young and the old and the old to the young. We're going to go and put God's love in action and that's great and we're excited. You have an opportunity to serve with our vacation Bible school and serve our children and instill the good deposit and entrust it to them and allow them to take hold of that and hide God's word in their heart. Those are great opportunities, but this isn't, service is not about a quota. Service isn't about a checkmark list of, okay, I've met my daily service task today. Service isn't, oh, well, I served once a month. Okay, we're good. Service isn't about logging X amount of hours. Service isn't about meeting a daily quota. Service isn't about trying to make sure the right people see you serving at the right time. Service is about a life putting others before yourself. Service is about going where you're not comfortable. Service is about putting others first and you last. God first, others second, then you last. We need to serve. We need to serve. Some of you here are sitting and can I tell you, there's, there's opportunities to serve all through our church right here at Bethel Church. And maybe, just maybe, God is saying, hey, I've been calling you to serve here. I've been calling you to serve on our worship team, or I've been calling you to serve in our tech team, or I've been calling you to serve to greet people. I've been calling you to serve our children or our students. And, and what are you holding on to? There is no better opportunity to start serving than right now. Well, after the service, but right now. There's no better time than now. Can I tell you that 
There is never going to be an ideal time. There's never going to be an ideal situation. There's never going to be a better moment than right now to serve. If we're gonna follow Christ, we need to follow his example. And his example was to serve, not to be served. And you and I, we need to serve and not be served. We can't be here for promotion or possessions or popularity, but we need to go and serve in love and put God's in action, putting God first, others second, and ourselves last. And then finally, I'm gonna ask if, um, Diane, you could come. And Isaiah writes, he says, and strengthen your stakes. Strengthen your stakes. We need to strengthen our stakes. We need to drive the stakes deeper into the ground. We need to drive our stakes deeper into the foundation. You see, what happens is when you get larger, in biblical times, as the tent got larger, the tent would become more susceptible to the storms and the winds of that day and age because there was more surface area. It was just, it just made sense. The more, the larger the tent took up in the air, the more the, the tent that would get caught by the wind. And so if they took time to enlarge the tent, they took time to stretch, but they didn't drive their stakes in deep into the ground. If they didn't take time to strengthen the stakes and strengthen their foundation, then when the first wind would come, they would be blown away. Church, we need to strengthen our stakes. Maybe you're saying here and saying, well, you know, we're, we're a large church or, or life's going well for me. We don't need to worry about that. We're, we're blessed. And we, can I tell you, though, that the larger you become, the more you need to strengthen your stakes or greater will be your fall. We need to strengthen our stakes. I like what one translation says. It says we need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper. Some of you know that, that I do occasionally a, a workout DVD. And um, the, uh, the, the constant word that the, the, uh, the, the instructor will say throughout the video is he will say, dig deeper. Now, he doesn't say it at the beginning of the video when I'm feeling good and, you know, I have, you know, all the energy in the world. And I don't really, I'll be honest, like my, my appreciation for working out is like, it's Monday and I have to work out Monday evening. I'm dreading Tuesday's workout. Like I haven't even gotten done Monday's workout and I'm already dreading Tuesday's workout. That's how much I don't like it. And so I try to put it off. But when he says dig deeper, he's not saying dig deeper when right at the start. He's not saying dig deeper at the end, but he's saying dig deeper right when I am most exhausted, right when I'm most weary. And the instructor's saying dig deeper. And can I tell you, the last thing I wanna do is dig deeper. When, when he says dig deeper, I take it really personal and I yell at him. And I say, I don't want to dig deeper. And I'm, and I'm sweating and I'm tired and part of me is ready to collapse. And all I want to do is just lay there and have like a giant freezer open. I want to eat some buffalo wings. And I don't want to do anything related to working out. And he says, dig deeper. I'm exhausted and I'm weary. I'm tired. And see, maybe you're in the same season. You're saying, Pastor, I'm feeling it right now. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I'm so exhausted. And to hear the words dig deeper, I just, I don't know if I got it in me. Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I just feel so tired and burdened down. 
And can I tell you, church, that God isn't saying dig deeper in your own understanding. He's not saying dig deeper in your own thoughts. He's not saying dig deeper in your own plans. He's not saying dig deeper in your own ways. He's not saying dig deeper in your own financial uh, situation. He's not saying dig deeper in your own job situation. He's not saying dig deeper into anything other than dig deeper into me. He's saying dig deeper into the one who gives strength. Dig deeper into the one who gives hope. Dig deeper into the one who restores. Dig deeper into the one who sets free. Dig deeper into the one who made a way. Dig deeper into the one who provides. Dig deeper into the way and the truth and the life. Dig deeper into the name above all other names. Dig deeper into the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, all you who are weary burdened, Cast your cares on me and I will give you rest for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. When we say dig deeper, you're digging deeper into the one who is going to give you strength and the one who will provide, the one who will nourish and set free and who will give you strength. Dig deeper into him. You can have the appearance on the outside of looking good. You can, you can look great, you can look wonderful, you can look fantastic. Church, we could have all the things that people would look for on the outside, a nice building, a nice lawn, this thing, that thing, whatever. But if we don't have it on the inside, then when the storms come, when the winds come, when difficulty arises, when you are going to come through the inevitable storms, that will always make its way, will fall apart. I love just the story, and, and, and last night as I was just kind of reviewing some things, Matthew 7, verse 24, tells us this parable, and, and I, every time I, I hear the parable, I'm reminded of the song I was singing as a child. The rains came down and the floods came up. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And I love what Jesus says. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And then everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, notice that they hear the word. This isn't just talking about people who've never heard the word of the Lord. These are about people who are sitting in this room who hear it, but don't do it. He says, everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Can I tell you? I can tell you several things from this. One, you've all heard the word of the Lord this morning. And I can tell you that you're building a house. And I can also tell you that the rains will come and the floods will rise up. The only thing that I can't tell you is whether you do it or you don't do it. But that is entirely dependent upon you. I can tell you that you heard the word. I can tell you that you're building a house and I can tell you that the rains will come, the floodwaters will rise up, the winds will come. I can't tell you what you're gonna do. Only you can answer that question. 
But if you, if you do it, your house will remain solid because it is built on the solid foundation. But if you don't, then don't be surprised when the winds come and your life falls apart and great will be its fall. You can hear and do. You can hear and not do. But we got to drive our stakes deeper into the firm foundation that is Christ. So we need to create space in our lives. We need to create space. We need to clean out our lives. We need to allow more room for God to move in our lives. Less of me and more of him. We need to create space in our church. We need to all be on the same page. We need to have unity. We need to have love for one another as Christ loves us. So you and I must love one another. And we need to allow other people to be a part of what God is doing here. We need to embrace the stretch, embrace the pain. We need to not hold back. We need to step forward and be involved. Serve, get involved. Don't shrink back, don't hold back, but step forward. And we need to drive our stakes deeper into the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. I like just every head bowed and eye closed. And I just want to pray with you this morning as we close. And I believe, church, that we're at a pivotal moment in our lives as a church, as a generation, as a body of believers. And we can look around and we can say, dark are the days around us. We can say, it doesn't look ideal. And we can say, our people are being persecuted and our people are being exiled and we're being cast aside and things are not going the way we want them to go. And all the while God is saying, get ready and enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes because I'm going to do something in your lives. I'm going to do something within my church because I am building my church and I'm going to make myself known like never before. Will the church be the church that I've called them to be? And so church, can we just respond? I hope and pray that you and I, we would respond with a resounding yes, not with our words, but with our lives. That we would embrace the stretch, that we would create space in our lives, that we would not hold back, that we would serve, and that we would drive our stakes deeper. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we've had this morning. And God, we just ask that, Lord, as you are preparing us for what you have already prepared for us, that we would create space in our lives, less of us and more of you. That, God, we would embrace the stretch, although painful it might be, God, that we would trust that, Lord, we won't break under your stretch so we can be used by you. That we would let go of the things in our past, let go of the things that we are holding on to, and step forward into where you are leading us. And God, that we would go and serve. And that, God, we would drive our stakes deeper into you and you alone, the solid rock, Jesus Christ. 
And God, we ask all these things that you would go with us this week and that, Lord, we would go and make you known and that we would be the church that you have called us to be. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' matchless and awesome and wonderful name. And everyone said amen and amen and amen. We pray that... I pray that you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.